0: Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast Team Preview Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hardish, ready to talk all things San Francisco 49ers as we continue to work our way through the NFC West. Joining me, as always, none other than PFF's finest, Dwayne, the Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, happy 49ers Day and happy Friday, man. Yeah, happy Friday. I always love to
1: have some fun, you know, on, on the Friday morning on Twitter. Um, so, you know, I just threw the RB7 Saquon tweet out there, Ian, and... uh <laughs> Guess what all the responses are immediately? I bet you could never guess.
0: Oh, like RB seven for what? The one week he plays, Dwayne?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Man, you are on You you know your game. All right.
0: Nothing Forget. nothing like ever sending a single positive tweet about a running back who, you know, I don't know if you guys notice at home, but there is a chance that they could get hurt, or maybe they won't. I guess we'll never know. With the he's 49ers. Like, he's yet. like 35 now, right? something like that right or 20 25 35 whatever he's just washed (laughs) he he sucks 20 he sucks who cares about the workload as always on the team preview podcast we're going to run through coaching staff changes personnel changes and then get into the nitty-gritty quarterback running back wide receiver and tight end so kicking things off with the coaching staff head coach Kyle Shanahan back for his sixth season as the 49ers head coach and lead play caller. Offensive coordinator Mike McDaniel will now be running the Dolphins. He'll seemingly be replaced by ex-Chargers head coach, most recently Lions offensive coordinator Anthony Lynn. His official position, though, is assistant head coach and running back coach. Fully expecting Kyle Shanahan to once again be running his offense, be running his scheme, and making the decisions accordingly. So, on the one hand, hey. It's always one random 1,000-yard 1, rusher after another, scheming up some good stuff. And when you look at uh, just some behind-the-scenes stuff that Eric Eager, I think has done a good job showing. like uh, One of the studies Eric did last year was basically looking at all the different pre-snap motion. Just but His goal was to try to find like what offenses are the most unique relative to what everyone else is doing. And he found that Shanahan's offense was the most unique. So from that standpoint, and just the eye test, I think we can all agree that he's a fantastic play caller. Maybe it gets a little bit overrated, though. And just in terms of the points that are being scored, we can talk about the quarterbacks at hand during these years, but it's not like just because Kyle Shanahan's calling plays that we can just immediately be like, all right, top 10 scoring offense, no questions asked. Since he has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL with Houston in 2008, 17th ranked scoring offense. 2009, he was 10th when he goes to Washington, 25th, 26th, fourth with RG3, 23rd. One year in Cleveland, 27th-ranked scoring offense. Atlanta, 2015, 21st-ranked scoring offense. Then obviously had the number one scoring unit with Matt Ryan in that famous 2016 year. With the 49ers, they have been 20th, 21st, 2nd, 21st, and 13th in scoring. Again, if you put the quarterback's names next to all these years, I think it'll make more sense. When he's had really good quarterback play, the offense has accordingly put up more points. Funny how that works, Dwayne. We're just caution, though, and assuming that we're going to have all these points, and part of them might just be the way he's been calling plays specifically recently for the 49ers. Non-garbage time pass play rate in 2017 was actually eighth, but since then, he has really embraced the run-heavy offense. 25th. 30th, 25th, and 30th in pass play rate in non garbage time situations. The pace over the last three years 20th, 31st, and 28th. Dwayne, seems like we're moving from Jimmy G to Trey Lance. We could see his offense be more run heavy than ever with a faster pace than ever. Not exactly the group that we're expecting multiple high end, you know, fantasy pass catchers to come out of, even though we have three.
1: Yeah, I think uh, we know that Shanahan wants to be at a minimum run balanced right he really wants to be run heavy <clears throat> and when you have a running you know quarterback involved you know like Trey Lance most likely it is going to be a run heavy team i think the thing we have working for us um, the 49ers are projected to win 10 games number 1 um, typically teams that win you know 10 games or have you know just a winning record score more fantasy points you know um, you just have more touchdowns to go around there's a quality going on now sometimes teams can sneak, up, can sneak up there with defensive play, below average offense. There's all sorts of equations to get to 10 wins, right? But with the 49ers, I think the other part that's encouraging is when you look at their schedule, they've got six teams, they've got to play on it that also are projected for 10 wins. You know, so, I mean, I know we're talking about the west half of the country again, but, I mean, you get games against Denver, the Rams, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Chargers, the Bucks. um, you know, I mean, it's just a strong division anyway. So I think there's, you know, hope that you're going to have certain games where, the 49ers do have to push it more. Now, historically, you know, looking at the 49ers, you know, even looking at last year, um, you know, before, you know, we really had any Trey Lance, this is mostly all Jimmy G. um, Even in games, you know, where um, they're close, the 49ers like to run the ball 52% of the time. So close being within three points, the league average is 60%. Now when trailing though, they're a lot closer to the average. So that's where I think some of the hope can come from. Um, the NFL average is 70% when trailing by four or more points. The 49ers were at 69%. Um, of course, when you get a lead, like all bets are off. You know, if they throw the ball 44% of the time, the NFL average is 51%. So in two out of the three categories I like to look at, really the for, the 49ers were far more run heavy than what we've seen, um, you know, from the rest of the league. And again, these are one year, that's a one year sample, right? So sometimes any one of those buckets could be a little off. We know they want to be run heavy. There is the opportunity, though, because of the division, because of the schedule and just the way everything works out, that they just have to throw a little bit more just because the quality of opponents and they can't just, you know, depend on the running game because if they fall behind, they just have to throw a little we did see about two and a half starts from
0: Trey Lance. Two of them were in you know pretty severe trailing situations throughout. First game against the Seahawks ends up with 18 pass attempts in the second half. Not bad against the Cardinals though. To lose that game 17-10 only had 29 pass attempts. 16 rush attempts. I do think it's fair to say that we could see this offense shift even more run heavy with Trey Lance presumably. Under center, more on that in just a bit. Let's go through some of the personnel changes here at running back. Just one move to really note Raheem Mostert actually followed former 49ers OC Mike McDaniel to the Dolphins obviously injuries didn't help Mostert you know go completely off last year did post that famous 29 for rushing line against the Packers in the NFC Championship Dwayne Raheem Mostert owns the top two fastest times from any running back since 2016 per next gen stats hope he works out in Miami but losing him it's good news for Elijah Mitchell we got some other guys in there but my god Dwayne I, I think I'm just getting upset again because I nailed this last year. Raheem Mostert was the 49ers' starting running back. It was a beautiful two carries that he averaged 10 yards per <laughs> time.
1: You you know you'll always have that to fall back on in life. I mean, in, in the <laughs> toughest times, like you'll just always at least be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, "I had Raheem Mostert right in 2021 for those first two carries." So, um, you know. No one can ever take that away from you. Hard it so. I'll, yeah, I'll, I, <laughs> go ahead. I don't know if I've ever had a like a
0: a true like. I felt so good when I saw him start, and he has those two carries, and I was just patting myself on the back, and then he just immediately gets hurt. That's how my football season started, Dwayne.
1: That's yeah, what I did.
0: Oh mine went the
1: opposite because I had heavy exposure to Trey Sermon in the sixth and seventh rounds, and you know some and a lot of money, honestly, tied up. Like we're talking. You know, three, four grand probably tied up in teams that had Trey Sermon on them. So, uh, yeah, I had the opposite reaction from you, Uh, but it doesn't matter. And we've talked about this. We're going to have one hundred and ten percent of the takes all right this year so. This is our year at wide receiver. Mohamed Sanu remains an unrestricted free
0: agent, basically got displaced by Juwan Jennings eventually last year, but actually did catch 15 passes, 32-year-old electric Wildcat quarterback. Obviously, Travis Benjamin remains an unrestricted free agent, has basically bounced around with Shani uh, throughout his career in Cleveland and then to the 49ers, but failed to record a reception in 10 games in San Francisco last year. Trent Sherfield followed former 49ers OC Mike Daniels to the Dolphins alongside Raheem Mostert. Had just nine catches last year. Wide receiver Richie James signed with the Giants in free agency. Remember when he put up the nine catch? 184 yard in a touchdown against the Packers. Basically disappeared after that entire wide receiver room. Had COVID. Richie James balled out. Maybe he can keep on keeping on. I also appreciated him. Hey, geez, join always doing a uh, backflip over the years was always a good time as well in the victory formation. For some reason, they just found a way to put Richie James as the back guy in the QB kneel down victory formation, and he'd do a backflip. I enjoyed seeing him do that. Also, the guys added to the team Ray Ray McLeod, two-year, $4 million deal with the 49ers, includes $2.8 million guaranteed. I think he's mostly just going to be taking some of the return duties away, but then again, could factor in as a wide receiver four, wide receiver five. 49ers also signed Malik Turner to a one-year, $1.1 million deal. Low-key did some pretty good things with the Cowboys uh, last year. Just I, I was kind of surprised the Cowboys let him get away. He was a perfectly fine wide receiver four. Maybe he'll serve that role again for the 49ers. And my guy, Marcus Johnson. One year, $1 million deal, just $250K guarantee. But, Dwayne, I don't know if you've noticed Marcus Johnson over the year. This guy knows how to stretch a field of grass, man. 16.5 yards per reception. He's been with the Eagles, Colts, and Titans. I would love for Johnson to somehow figure this out because I do think he's one of the better backup receivers in the league that just hasn't gotten a chance to start. Will it happen? Probably not, but you can imagine.
1: Well, I think you can battle Danny Gray for that. And my bad. I have a mute button. And I, I just coughed straight into the mic and it wasn't muted. Yeah, all good. I think we got that <laughs> figured out
0: now. So apologies That's to awesome. our uh, oh apologies God. to our listeners out we'll there. We'll have but... somebody
1: cut that. We'll we'll maybe just tell them to cut that. Anyway, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's probably Danny Gray, Marcus Johnson, you know, battling out really for that role. I know a lot of people are sold on Danny Gray, but I mean. He was a reach. <laughs> he was a reach in the draft. But at the end of the day, like he's a third rounder now. So so we'll see. But I think that's what both of those guys are there for. Right. Okay. Is to, someone you can throw out there occasionally. Let one of them help stretch the field out for you. If Brandon and I, Uke, were to go down, that's probably really the other opportunity for them to gain some value. Tight end Tyler Croft signed a one year,
0: $1.2 million deal with the 49ers. Just 25K guaranteed, might not even make the final roster. Pair of skill position players picked within uh, the first two days of the draft. LSU running back Tyrion Davis Price, the 93rd overall pick. Everything, you know, we'll talk about the running back room here in a bit, but everything you kind of read from the 49ers about Tyrion Davis Price comes down to his physicality getting better as the game goes on, all that sort of coach-speak stuff, which was interesting to me because, really, when you look at his profile coming out, to me the thing that stood out was that he was the number one highest-graded pass-blocking back among all draft-eligible running backs uh, coming into this year. But with with, with TDP, man, it seems like they actually maybe want him more as an early-down option. Again, we'll discuss that more. Also added SMU wide receiver Danny Gray, as Dwayne said, in the third-round pick, number 105. Four, three, three, second 40-yard dash does seem like, well, you know, it's a third-round wide receiver. I expect him to have a role, but as more than just kind of a, you know, wide receiver four, de facto field stretcher, probably wishful thinking. Also added Iowa State quarterback Brock Purdy in the seventh round, not expecting much from there. Dwayne, let's go ahead and just start off with quarterback Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo. Put the Jimmy Garoppolo shit to bed. We've talked about this on a different podcast this offseason, but it's Trey Lance. These are not rumors about Jimmy G being traded. This is not a source close to the situation. This is not even a general manager. It's Kyle freaking Shanahan who's telling us that the plan is still for Jimmy Garoppolo to be traded. There was another situation earlier in the offseason where He got asked about new quarterbacks coach, Brian Greasy. Immediately just starts talking about how good Greasy is for Trey's development and everything that's going to be going on with Trey. What was the most recent question he answered about Trey Lance? He said he can't handle the pressure of being the starting quarterback for the 49ers. So I get it, Dwayne. He's not going to explicitly name Lance the starter. He wouldn't even explicitly say if Jimmy G was going to be alive in a couple of days after the draft last year. This is Kyle Shanahan. We know we're not going to get that, but read between the lines. I don't care if Jimmy G is traded, Trey Lance is the 49. 2022 starting quarterback
1: yeah i don't i don't even like think it's a debate really at no. this point like yeah the coach speak is still the coach speak um but i, I it looks to me like i'm pretty much just 100 all in that trey lance is going to be you know the starter for 2022 um i know that burned a lot of people in 2021 so that's going to make that you know something that people struggle with but i think that's one of these things and you talked about it way early on when we were talking about you know starting pods you know in this off season really the goal is right not to just look at last year to predict you know this year right and that's i've i've never done that and i know you you don't either but like you're just letting people know like the way we're going about our process and i think that's what you have to remember with Trey Lance and you can't let you know a bet that you placed last year on a guy like Lance keep you from doing it again because the idea behind it is still all the right things, right? What is the type of profile that we're looking, looking for? What's the ADP, you know, what are, where are these guys going and then what could they potentially do? And Trey, Trey Lance just really checks all the boxes, you know, that we're looking for. Plus he's got a team that's got a lot of weapons. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm all in on Trey Lance. You know, I'm I'm going to have plenty of exposure. I'll be well above, you know, most likely, you know, the where the market's going to be. I'm not going to stack him like with the whole team or anything. Right. Because we do think they are going to most likely remain a run heavy team. But I, it's easy to get any one of his targets right and throw them on the same team with him.
0: Since 2010, there's been 26 quarterbacks drafted in the top 10. 21 of them started at least 10 games. The only exceptions were Tua with nine, Jared Goff with seven, Trey Lance with two, Patrick Mahomes with one, Jake Locker, the only top 10 pick not to start a single game as a rookie since 2010. Those other four guys, though, the next season, they started 11, 13, 15, and 16 games. If Trey Lance does not start double-digit games this year, he will literally be the only top 10 quarterback to not do so within his first two seasons in the league since 2010, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take that bet, going with Trey Lance as the starter. And Dwayne, if we see the sort of uses that he put on display during his three extended appearances last year, it's just going to be so hard for him to bust. We don't see quarterbacks with this sort of a rushing floor make a habit of busting. So you look at what he did. 31 carries and basically two and a half games worth of action. Let's not even be that generous. Let's not even give him a 10 carry per game average. Let's go down to eight. That'd be about 136 rush attempts across a 17 game season. We'll even bump that down. We'll say what happens when a quarterback gets at least 125 carries in the season. Uh, yeah, it's freaking great is exactly what happens. Looking at the history, there have been 12 such instances of a quarterback having at least 125 carries in a season. They're per game fantasy ranks. So I'm not saying because I get it. If you rush for 125 carries, that's implying you're going to be out there for almost the whole season. You're probably going to have a better overall rank. So per game fantasy ranks from this group, QB one, one, two, three, four, four. 5, six, seven, eight, 12, and unfortunately 2020 Cam Newton only finished as the QB 17 fantasy points per game. I even think that number probably would surprise some people given how just atrocious that Patriots passing offense was that year. So just based on Trey Lance's rushing volume, man, it's going to be really tough for him to bust. And I think we might even be writing off just what he can bring to the table as a passer early on. He averaged just 0.1 fewer yards per attempt than Jimmy G. And we know with yards per attempt specifically with Jimmy G how that can be a flawed stat sometimes because I don't think anyone wants to come here and say that Jimmy G is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL because of his yards per attempt but damn it Dwayne all the yards count the same we don't get style points for fantasy football and some of the stuff that Trey Lance is gonna get helped out on like the 80-yard touchdown against the Seahawks on the blown covers to Debo Samuel or George Kittle just making one hell of a play or Brandon Ayuk, you know, putting Trayvon Diggs in the pretzel. Whatever you want to talk about with these guys, that's not going anywhere. Like, Trey Lance has the rushing floor, but he also just has far better receiving weapons, than I think we're used to seeing these run-first QBs have. Like, Jalen Hurts and the Lamar Jackson offenses I know RG3 had Pierre Garcon and d so I guess I don't know if he had d just yet. Maybe that's a little bit different, but I feel like a lot of times these rushing quarterbacks, they almost have to carry the offense because they don't have a ton of weapons around them. Trey Lance is looking like kind of an exception to that rule where, yeah, he's going to have the rushing volume, but he also has a lot of good pass catchers. How high is too high, Dwayne? Because right now I have him ranked QB 11. That's where he's going. I'm tempted just to say F it though and get him up there with Jalen Hurts because that's basically what we're projecting his role to be but man it's just scary to click yes that we want Trey Lance ranked ahead of guys like Dak, Russ, Burrow, Brady how are you approaching it?
1: Yeah and you just don't have to because those guys are also badasses like like Tom Brady there's no reason to rank Trey Lance ahead of Tom Brady there's just not Mo, you know like yeah we're running range of outcomes and yes is Trey Lance's upside really really high of course it is but like You know, Tom Brady's median projection is better than Trey Lance's by a mile (laughs) because we know who he is. So and that's where rankings versus projections. Right. That's that's a difference. Like, you know, when we think about, you know, what these upsides and the downsides look like, that's where the ranks come from. Not just not just a median projection. Um, So I. Look, I like Lance um a lot. I've got him at QB eleven, you know. Actually I've got him at I have him at QB ten now. So I mean I'm I'm right there. We're we're close together. Um, you know, you mentioned a lot of the things that I wanted to hit on, but um last year in those now again, we know it's a small sample size, folks, like, but we can only do we can only use, you know, what we have. And so whenever you're looking at Trey Lance, the thing that got me the most excited was just looking you know at a lot of the design rushing attempts that were that he was used. You know, and, and so that's, that's what really cranks up, you know, the, uh, you know, the rushing attempts, you know, for a team like the 49ers and how much that they're going to be running the ball versus throwing the ball, all those sort of things, you know, but his scramble rates are also good. So he had a game last year, in where he handled 44% of the design rushing attempts in week five. 44%. Like that's Jalen Hurts like, you know, Jalen Hurts will have weeks like that every once in a while. That's Lamar Jackson like. That's not, um, that's a level above what we see with Josh Allen. That's a level above what we see with Kyler. It really is along that Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, you know, um, you know, kind of spectrum RG three back in the day, like to use another, you know, player that we've seen Kyle Shanahan play with, you know, back with his dad when they were in Washington. So I think, those are the things that you know I think about, um, and think about the top side of the range of outcomes being so great. The one last thing, and again, we know it's small; it's really small data. Uh, but whenever you look at you know Trey Lance's you know uh, fantasy points per drop back last year. you know so for example uh the next the highest quarterback was Jalen Hurts right on a much on a much bigger sample size at 0.63 um Lamar Jackson's got watered down a little bit because he played hurt you know through a few different games but he was a 0.54 Josh Allen's 0.58 now we don't expect you know to see uh you know Trey Lance continue at a 0.75 but like he's most likely going to be like around a 0.6 point. He'll be 0.55 to 0.65, you know, in his fantasy in his fantasy points per drop back. It's just a matter of how you know often does he get to do it. And um, but the other point, we could be underrating his passing. Like what that's the biggest question. We just don't know. It did not look that good. Like when we watched it, it felt like he's really slow to release the ball. He's got a cannon, but the accuracy, eh, it's a little bit shaky as well. But again, small sample size. And if he just comes through in the rushing categories, he's still going to be able to pay off in fantasy football. But the upside is if he does look better as a passer, We know that he has the weapons with Kittle, with Debo, with Ayuk, And then we've already talked about the schedule, you know, in the division and how there could be a real opportunity for some shootouts, even though we know the 49ers like they like to grind the clock. They're not really a team looking to get into a shootout, but they could be forced into that. 2018, we had Patrick Mahomes with an ADP as the QB. 15,
0: by the time September came around. 2019, had Lamar Jackson as the QB. 11, 2020, Josh Allen as the QB. 11, 2021, Jalen Hurst as the QB. 12, Dwayne, is Trey Lance the late-round quarterback of 2022? Because I sure think he is.
1: Yeah, he's the number one candidate. I think number two has to be Justin Fields. Yep, you give Lance. You just have to give Lance the, uh, the, the hat tip there because better offense. We, we know for sure we have a good coordinator you know, with Shanahan. To your point, a lot of that still ties back to quarterbacks, but we know he knows how to use this type of player. Um, so you look at the talent, the division, all those things, you stack them all up, and I think it's pretty clear, though, that Lance is overfields. Let's talk some
0: running backs. we got Elijah Mitchell, Tyrion Davis-Price, Trey Sermon, Jeff Bolson, and Jermichael Hasty. Crowded room once again. We will see what Kyle Shanahan decides to do with it because for five years running, he has been featuring a different RB1 first. Let's look at the full kind of picture, though. We go back again. Even those Houston years, Steve Slayton put up some pretty big performances. RB7 and then RB29 uh, just got a little bit banged up there. Then we had Orion Ryan Terrain and Roy Helu season before Alfred Morris had 346 touches then 285 touches rb7 and rb19 finishes had a committee system in Cleveland with Isaiah Crowell Terrence West and Ben Tate before really featuring Devontae Freeman 338 and 281 touches back-to-back top six finishes somehow gave Carlos Hyde 299 touches in the year 2017 as a workhorse finishes the rb8 From 2018 to 2020, though, Matt Breida, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, RB26, RB26, and RB31. Just one of these instances where all these guys had nice stretches, but no one could really take over. And maybe when they did, there'd be another injury. Just one thing after another. We had Tevin Coleman kind of mixing into that group the whole time. Obviously, they paid Jerick McKinnon, but that didn't work out. And then finally, in 2021, Elijah Mitchell, RB16 points per game, RB26 overall finish. But just realizing that in three of the last four years, Dwayne, the 49ers RB1 has finished as exactly the RB26. So take that for your uh, analytics but basically what do we do with elijah mitchell because we have seen shanahan go back and forth but we've also seen him stick to guys before like alfred morris like Devontae freeman and give them that same kind of monster workload the following season yes they did add Tyrion davis price but i don't think there's any reason to believe mitchell won't be the league guy and he basically doesn't even give shanahan a chance to even consider putting him in the doghouse 288 touches last season, including playoffs without a fumble or a drop. Next closest running back was Devontae Freeman at 167. Next closest guy after that, all the way down at 63. So, Dwayne, are you expecting Mitchell to be the guy until the wheels fall off, or do you think we're just going to see a brand-new committee?
1: I think anything's possible with this offense. I I would say, and and you brought it up, um, one thing that I've noticed with these backfields recently, there's a lot of injuries. Injuries are a big part of why that rotation is there. Now, what sticks out to us is how much we thought that Trey Sermon was really going to be this lead back. Thank you so much, San Francisco um, beat reporters. We really appreciate all of the heads up on um, the fact that Elijah Mitchell was going to be the starter and apparently everyone knew it, but no one told us. And Whoa. then also that Brandon Ayuk yeah. was in a complete <laughs> doghouse. So love you guys hat tip on both of those. We really appreciate it. Um, so good grief. Like, I mean, is Shanahan a complete like magician? Like, is he like doing this with one hand and like this other hand is doing something else? Like, I don't know. Anyway, like uh, not trying to not, not a even a time. whisper though. Not even a, yes, whisper. not, not even a, wow. You know, Elijah Moore has been taking these reps. And who knows? You know what? Shanahan may have never showed any of that because he is he's a huge, huge believer in element of surprise. Like that's a huge thing for Shanahan. Like a big part of his whole scheme is based on you don't know what I'm doing, you know, and the defense has to think about it. So he's probably playing the same game with the press. Right. I don't know how fair it is to be on them. But to your point, it's just the not a whisper thing that really gets me it, just one little Anything that would have been thrown out there might have, you know, helped us at least catch on to something and be like, this, you know, we need, we need to take note of this. Maybe we shouldn't be drafting, you know, Trey Sermon in round seven.
0: I mean, I feel like if we were even getting like some gushing about Brandon now you've at certain points of last offseason. Like, just let us know if there's maybe a small, yeah, possibility. So yeah, that's so the problem. Mitchell, like, uh, Mitchell, real quick. So what? What the hell can we trust if we hear anything yeah. from them this year? And like that's right, you kind of right. said like at the beginning. Who the hell knows? Here, that's the problem, and it's why we can't go like that much further. Can't go of, all
1: in on Mitchell we this. Can't. <laughs> Yeah, you can't go all in. Oh, what we can say, you you already hit a lot of the positives for him. Um, what I would say, and again, now in these offenses, you know, we we see these things. A better way to do this is probably better be a smaller sample size, just to go back and compare the forty nine ers you know, Niners running backs to like one another over the last several years. But overall, versus the league average, Elijah Mitchell was really good. Um, explosive rush rate, fourteen percent versus the league average of ten and a half percent. So those are carries that go ten plus yards or more. Uh, missed tackles force, you know, and this this offense. Is is isn't so much about that, right? It's about, you know, setting up, you know, the front side run, the cutback, not the cutback, but then, you know, the middle run and then the cutback. And so it's really one cut and go kind of offense. Um, so missed tackles for 18% versus league average of 17%, not a big deal. But yards after contact, 3.7 versus 2.93. We'll say yards after, not all yards after contact are created equal, right? You guys go watch Derrick Henry just plowing over dudes. And then you watch Elijah Mitchell, you know, run through, you know, uh, a forearm tackle, yeah, they all kind of get counted the same way. You have to be a little careful, but still like this is a guy that after the first time he gets touched, like he's still adding yardage. And he's a big play threat. Um so with Mitchell, that's the part I like is that, you know, the profile does appear to have upside. The part I don't like, you know, Ian is the fact that we just never really saw any hint at all last year of him seeing any kind of three down role, and we still, you know, they used uh, Jamichael Hasty in that role and Kyle Uzcheck in that role, role last year. Debo Samuel got involved in that role. Um, those players are all still on the team. We've got Tyrion Davis Price now on the team, so that that's the big concern for me. Um, is that we don't really see an expansion, you know, into the passing game for Elijah Mitchell to go along with the fact that we do have to worry about Tyrion Davis Price looking over his shoulder, and if anything goes wrong, Kyle Shanahan might be willing to pull the plug.
0: Hasty did wind up out targeting Mitchell twenty nine to twenty seven last season, including the playoffs. I think we need to be concerned about the presence of Trey Lance under center as much as having the dual threat quarterback there to, you know, widen the run lanes to keep the DNs honest in the read option game. I understand that. And I've done some studies looking at Tyrod Taylor and Michael Vick over the years and kind of the running backs. They played with their yards per carry with and without and running backs are more efficient with a dual threat quarterback, but because of the targets they lose when the quarterback scrambles instead of checking down and because of just basically now having to have an extra party involved in the, the overall team rushing pie it ends up being a net negative like even if you average 0.5 additional yards per carry if we're losing five to eight you know targets and carries per game it's just not worth it so overall Dwayne from 2011 to 2020 22 of 37 highly mobile quarterbacks enabled a top 24 fantasy running back. That 59% mark, quite a bit lower than the 75% that we would expect, just doing 24 divided by 32. And then of those 10 top 12 running backs that emerged from the group, we had Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey, LaShawn McCoy, Marshawn Lynch, Alfred Morris, and Mark Ingram. They were either running backs that were catching 50-plus passes per season, just a good enough receiver to basically warrant still throwing them the ball, like CMC and Kamara, or it was someone that was in a top 10 scoring offense. And that comes back to the original point. It's not really a guarantee that Mitchell is going to be looking at a potential, you know, 15 touchdown role, not saying that can't happen, but we're going to have Trey Lance there Tyrion Davis price. A lot of check marks. I don't think, you can rank him that low, though. I still have him as RB22. He's going over as RB24 at Underdog Fantasy. RB22 does feel high to me, but then it's like, okay, him versus Jacobs versus Gibson. I think there's arguments to be had there. The big thing, Dwayne, is I kind of think of this as a running back dead zone. We see Etn, Akers, and Brees Hall over Underdog Fantasy going off the board by the end of the fourth round, maybe the fifth round. At that point, I just don't see myself going after Montgomery, Dobbins, Jacobs, Gibson, and Mitchell over the course of the next few rounds, I'm usually scooping up wide receivers in that range. I'm waiting until the guys like Clyde, Cordero and Miles Sanders are going even a couple rounds after it. How do you rank him amidst all these running backs?
1: Yeah, I've got him at 23. Um, the, the thing that's with Mitchell lately, you know, is just, uh, and this is mostly on underdog where I've been drafting the most recently, um, he slides a lot, so I'm. You can just get exposure to Elijah Mitchell, just letting him fall down the board. I've gotten him a full round past ADP, you know, before I'm getting him like ten spots past ADP. When that happens, I my thought is when I'm watching it, I'm like, well, okay, like here's where I'm going to get my exposure to Elijah Mitchell. He's a guy I'm kind of torn on. I agree with you. I think he fits in the dead dead zone, not because he's not. He's an explosive player, but we just know how replaceable backs can be in Shanahan's offense. Right? right. He, he Shanahan takes pr- great pride in the fact that it's not his running backs. It's his scheme. So like, okay, we got it, Kyle. We know, we know, we know. And there's truth to it. Like, so you got to give the guy credit, but the upside of Mitchell, if the 49ers offense really gets going and it gets to all go through the running game, like, you know, we could still see a, a really big season, but you know what you mentioned with Trey Lance is also a factor. So the way I'm handling him is just when he's falling past ADP, I'm happy to get, you know, some exposure. And honestly, You can treat your RB2 that way so easily this year, folks, in drafts. A lot of times, Ian, I'll start with one quarterback up top. I know you've been doing a lot of the underdog drafts. I'll tack on some receivers, grab my tight end and everything, and then I'm sitting there and it's like round seven. I'm like, oh. Clyde Edwards Ailaire is still yep. here. And then I'm like, oh, Cordarell Patterson's still sitting here. Chase Edmonds is still sitting here. Miles Sanders is still available to me. Like it's there's just so much of an opportunity um, that you know you can just kind of wait on running back. And it's not just because of where their ADPs are. It's like every draft, one or two of them fall. And the one you and I and Nathan did um this week. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, I think, fell past two rounds. And I know it's all because, you know, folks are saying they hope he's ready to start training camp, right? So that's just an opportunity. You just buy like that one little news bite that comes out like, you know, in a two-day period where everybody freaks out about something that we really already knew with J.K. Dobbins, that he probably wouldn't be out here for mini camp and we're hoping that he's ready for training camp, right? And so those are the sort of things that I'm trying to do, and I think Elijah Mitchell really just kind of fits into that. For whatever reason, we'll get into a little, little mini cycle with one of these guys where they're just sliding down the board.
0: Yeah, if he slides to the CEH territory, sign me up and it isn't that different. I think we could continue to see him go down the board, particularly if we get, you know, a TDP glowing training camp report or something like that. Where do you fall on Davis Price? I have him running back 53. He's going off the board as RB50. I'm not actively going on my way to get him, but it does sound like There's, I mean, look, look, every single running back on this team, we got to give at least a sliver chance to take over the backfield because who the hell knows, Dwayne, he got the third round capital. I know sermon did last year, but that should mean something. And again, just from trying to read Anthony Lynn, he's, he gives a bunch of kind of BS, just coach speak stuff, but he gave it, he gave us the, he gave us the
1: truth last year on on Swift Swift and Jamal.
0: Right. So as I was looking through what he was saying a little bit about Tyrion Davis Price, again, I was expecting to hear about his pass blocking, his ability in the receiving game. They're more so talking about it as more of a physical compliment to between the tackle guys, what I'm reading. Exactly. So if that is going to be his role here, like RB 53, that's a bargain for potentially Shanahan's RB one.
1: That's why I'm slightly ahead of ADP on him, just because we know the way the 49ers backfill can be so volatile. So we know that things can be going good. And one little weird thing, Kyle Shanahan will create chaos still. And so to me, that that bumps Davis price up above some of the other guys, because that means so all I'm looking for with these backups and, and we talk about it a lot. How many people in front of them, which I think is the tricky part with the 49ers, I think you said it right. There's probably Elijah Mitchell, and then there's a flat pool of almost all these other guys with Tyrion Davis Price slightly ahead. But the other component, th- component that I'm looking for like, is really what are all the potential outs right, that Tyrion Davis would have to get on the field? Injury is always one, right? But number two in this backfield, something we don't get with every other team, is we have a coach that will just, on a whim, be like Tyrion Davis Price you're in. So I just slightly put him ahead of other guys like Hassan Haskins, um, Jamal Williams, you know, the Daryl Williams is the, uh, you know, that's probably the decent part of the list. Like the guys that are around him um, because I think there's just that little bit extra chance. Like he gets forced onto the field and more of a full-time role because what we've seen with the coaching staff over history.
0: I did bump him up to RB 49 agreed with you. Let's, let's go get some uh Tieran Davis price. Any of these other guys, are you throwing darts at Jeff Wilson Jamichael Hasty, Trey Sermon, perhaps?
1: I think we need to hear more. Um, I probably will once we start getting to cut downs and we know who's on the team, then I will definitely be inter- interested in that list. My problem right now is I don't know which one. Hasty is the least to me just because he feels fairly pigeonholed into the role they have him for. Right. Which is really the jet sweep, you know, receiving back. And, and there's just with Debo and everything else there. It's kind of like, eh, I'm just I'm going to set you aside. Um, you know, there's Tyrion Davis prize. Now I want to know, is it Jeff Wilson or is it Trey Sermon that would be next in line behind Tyrius Davis price? Or if we're wrong is actually second in line or is actually first in line. And we just don't know because we, you know, it's the 49ers. So that's the way I'm thinking about it, but I'll probably get bolder as we get more camp information. Let's talk some Debo Samuel in
0: this wide receiver room. Debo, Brandon, Ayuk, Duwan Jennings, Marcus Johnson, Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, and Malik Turner making up the main crew. Okay, Dwayne, I found a pretty cool stat yesterday. So looking at Devo splits, we all saw weeks one through nine taking over the league as a wide receiver, averaging 110 receiving errors per game, 0.5 receiving touchdowns, averaged less than one rush attempt per game, averaged 21.2 PPR points per game. Then from weeks 10, the NFC Championship caught just three and a half passes per game, but it's all good. Had seven rush attempts per game. He was scoring 0.7 rushing touchdowns per game through that stretch. He averaged 20 PPR points per game. So so 21 versus 20. Who cares? Give Debo the ball. Good things happen. Dwayne, Debo Samuel might as well be a superhero, but he really had to be with that running back role. Looking at expected fantasy points, man, weeks one through nine, 17.1 expected PPR points for game. So he was over four points above expectation, which is great. It's Debo Samuel. He's a baller. He should be above expectation and shit. Weeks 10 to the NFC Championship, 12.7 expected PPR points per game. He was almost eight points above expectation per game. We needed him to be basically the most efficient running back in the NFL during the second half of the season for him to continue putting up the fantasy numbers that he was putting up. And my God, he did it. He is that freaking good of a football player. But man, Dwayne, do we really want to make a living on these exceptions? That's the tough part here because on the one hand, I look at Debo and it's like, this is one of the most talented players. Why would we not want Debo on our team? Everything we saw last year. My God, 0.33, missed tackles forced per for carry. That's higher than anyone in our database other than 2014 Barshawn Lynch. And it's not like you know, this is Debo running between the tackles. Like this was him lining up as a running back. I know he'd some stuff outside, but this is a player that was legit lining up in the backfield as their RB two behind Mitchell during the second half of the year, 18.3 yards per catch. That was first 6.3 yards per carry. That was fourth. Like, How much of this do we say, my God, he was so talented. And how much do we say, like, this dude was so good. How is he going to do this again? Because these workload questions are still very real. And he went from being someone that, yes, did have the workload of a wide receiver one. And then he went to someone who had the workload of like a wide receiver three. How do you balance that out looking ahead to next year? I hope he gets the targets back. But if not, that could be a serious problem on top of all the Trey Lance issues that we've already kind of discussed.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think there are definitely questions with Debo. Um, I, The thing you have to remember is he's also been doing this with yards after the catch for, for three years now. You know I mean? The guy's averages over 10 yards after the catch. That's like, dude, that's, that's insane. It's it unheard is. of. It's bonkers, but he's done it two years in a row. And now we see the same thing with his rushing. So for me at this point, I'm like, look, the guy's going into year four. He's shown us in these three data points for three years now, like, that he's a badass and like they scheme him up to get these kind of looks that help him. Is it eventually going to go away? Yeah. But I think we're kind of premature to say it would be now. Right. I mean, he's still a young guy. So that, I think the talent you hit it, like it's, it's a huge, it's a huge thing for him. So when I look at him, you know, His first year was only out there 74% of the routes and still finished as a wide receiver three, had a 2.04 yards per route run, which is wide receiver two worthy. Then year two, he only played 28% of the snaps and got hurt, but he put up an 81.1 PFF receiving grade, which is wide receiver two and a 25% targets per route run, which is an elite freaking wide receiver one and then he backed that up with his yards per route run so even though he didn't get to play much in year two like all the data still suggested like this elite receiver and then last year was just it, it all came together like and he just broke out he, he had the you know crazy year 338 fantasy points um, but again backed everything up again with all the underlying data points being really strong I guess the you can look at it two ways Ian um, one way you could look at it is You know, let's just make him a full-time receiver because he was better. (laughs) You know, he was better as a full-time receiver, especially in PPR. And I think that's true. He was slightly better in a points per game average, as you pointed out. There he's pretty much the same, but the expected points were so much better with him as a receiver, right? Than him playing running back. Um, but the flip side of it is you could say, well, Brandon Ayuk came on late in the year. So really, is that kind of dominant passing role still available to Debo? And if it's not, if you've got a coaching staff that's willing to try to get him touches in other ways because they realize that the way the passing tree is going to break down, there's not enough touches to me. I think what was happening was with Debo was this, and we see this with players, you know, me and I love utilization. I'm always looking into these percentages. I do believe there are certain players that the coach goes into the game and says 12 touches. He gets 12 touches no matter what. And so they look at it where they are in the game. Debo's got four targets. He's got three catches. You're going in the third quarter. It's like, okay get, get him involved in the running game like get him get him a screen get him this get him i think their plan with Debo is not so much how's it all just going to break out let Trey Lance read it i think they go into the game saying 12 touches give the guy 12 touches and so I, it's it's tough for me you know looking at it you know both ways so I, the way i lean is look i love him at the end of the second round earlier in the offseason he was going at the end of the first and the very beginning of the second that made me that made me queasy for sure, um, because of all the things we're talking about here. But now, where his ADP has settled down, and over on underdog, I think it's more like a that's that's over an FFPC that I'm talking about. I took him in the hard way draft um, at the end of round two, and I loved it. Um, he's probably more like a mid round two pick, is he right now, Ian? On, um, on underdog, he is a uh, pick 18. Yeah. So he's right in the middle, you know, the second round. So I'm fine with it there. I'm fine with it there. If he creeps back up towards the end, the first of the second round or into the end of the first round, that's where I get a little more twisted on Debo. So, and, and I, it just comes back to, I really think their plan with him is we want to give him so many touches. So I'm falling on the side of really talented player. I actually think his usage is insulated a bit by the fact that the way the coaches treat him, um so it could kind of it kind of allows him to go either way right if he's just the receiver that works that could work out good for us if it's not working well they could get him the touches in the run game and that's okay too the only thing that the the caveat i would say is debo and his camp like i don't think they want as many running back touches right so that's going to force the 49ers hand can they continue to still get him all the touches that are designed if he's not willing to play running back anymore i think that i don't know i don't have the answer to that
0: I just – there's not another receiver going as high as he does that has the potential to not – be as involved i mean that 12.1 bro like that's just that is a brutal amount of expected fantasy points and like there is a chance that they run that back i mean using that role it did get them to the nfc championship like just some context like that's what russell gage and tyler lockett were being expected to score last season jacoby myers was at 12.2 marvin jones at 12.3 so when i look at the top of these ranks i'm not fading the man i have him as my uh Overall, uh, 23rd player wide receiver 10. But I do think end of round two, maybe god forbid, early round three. That's certainly where I want them guys like T Higgins, Tyree Kill, even your guy Mike Evans. I just see them as having the target shares that we're hoping Debo gets. But Debo, man, if he like if we found out if Kyle Shannon came out and said that's great, Debo, but we view him as our RB2, everything we did in the second half of the season was great, we're going to continue using him in that role. Like, he'd be impossible to rank as a top 10 guy. And that's a possibility.
1: Well, I think it all depends. I, I agree. Like, because of, of, you know, the efficiency that he had at the end of the day, um, you know, it's, it is crazy as a running back. But I'm less concerned, you know, about, you know, his ability to generate targets, their ability to give him targets in the offense. I mean, look, it's just... It's a, it's a hyper elite profile. Like, you know, so for me, I'm still going to go ahead and bet on the talent, you know, with Debo Samuel, because I, the thing I like about like, he and AJ Brown are essentially the same, but you know, I've got Debo like four spots ahead of AJ Brown, because I know if, if the 49ers need to, like they're willing to give him touches in other ways, right. That AJ Brown doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on. Um, So I like him ahead of all the guys you just named. I've got him wide receiver seven. Um, I've got him in my third tier with Tyreek Hill. Um, now I love t higgins i 'm well ahead of the market like on T Higgins now the market 's starting to catch up now i 've got T Higgins there at nine uh, i got a j Brown at ten I got Michael Pittman at eleven i got Mike Evans twelve i got Keenan Allen thirteen so I like debo if if he continues any anytime he slides to the end of the second i 'm taking him i 'll be even to a, to the you know field on exposure on Debo in the middle of the second round. I'm definitely not reaching for him, though. I don't think you should reach for him. And I see a lot of people do it, and I think it's just because they want to build their stacks. I see it at the turn. Like, I'll see Debo go 2-1, right? And then that player will come back and grab Kittle because he kind of goes in that range when it comes back to you. And then they'll go ahead and set it up and grab Trey Lance. Like, in fact, I think Yankee did that in one of our drafts. We've seen that. So, like, if that's your prerogative and that's what you're trying to do, you can go ahead. Um, That's not a stack I'm really into, to be honest, though, like stacking all three of those guys. Just because what we talked about, we know what the 49ers want to do, and I don't necessarily want two receivers stacked with Trey Lance or two receivers stacked with Lamar Jackson or two receivers. Really, right now, the, the verdict is out. We could see more passing from Philly, so I might change my mind on this one later with Jalen Hurts. But right now, I feel the same way about Hurts. I don't really want – I don't want three Eagles and Hurts. I was like, give me one Eagles receiver and give me Hurts, especially at you know what the draft capital is on all of them.
0: I brought up this study when we did talk about Hurts and the Eagles, but basically looking at the 27 offenses over the past 10 years that have had a quarterback average, five rush attempts per game, 80 per season. This basically encapsulates all the highly mobile quarterbacks that we're expecting Trey Lance to be. Average RB finish was 25. Same thing with the median. You know, there's a, a lot of fluctuation here. Again, we already kind of talked through Mitchell, so that's fair. Medium wide receiver one was a wide receiver 23 finish. Okay, we're willing to Debo's. One of the best freaking players in the league. I think we're okay uh, going out on a little bit of a limb there. Average wide receiver two finish, though, Dwayne, 55 with the median as 51. Like, I think we saw last year that Ayuk and Debo, at least in this iteration of the offense, it's really tough for them to coexist. And that was with George Kittle being in and out of the lineup a little bit. You know, some weeks getting 15 targets, other weeks being more of a primary blocker. I think Ayuk's second half resurgence is being a little bit overstated. He was just so, he was such a zero in weeks one through seven. Of course, the second half was going to be better. How could it not be? 4.1 PPR points per game in weeks one through seven. He averaged 16 yards per game on 2.7 targets. But from weeks eight through the NFC Championship, when he officially got out of the doghouse, still just 5.9 targets per game, 62 yards per game, 11.9 PPR points per game. It's a damn fallacy, and you guys are being cheated by fantasy analysts in this industry who keep saying that Ayuk was the wide receiver 16 from weeks 8 through 18 because he played like 11 games during that stretch, and a lot of other guys were only at 9. If you look at the fantasy points per game, he was wide receiver 25, which is still good, but, man, Dwayne, based on the Hurts history, based on the fact that Ayuk was getting this done, needing needing to be pretty damn good in his own right. Again, fewer than six targets per game. That's the guy we want to sign up for in that range. I'm pretty much out on that. I still think Ayuk's a great player. I think Debo and Kittle are better. I think this could be a run-first offense. And I don't think someone with a target projection of five to six per game is someone we should be chasing at any point in the draft.
1: Yeah, see, that's where you and I we definitely differ on this one. I, I agree with everything you said about Ayuk. Um, I looked at the same thing, like with where I kept seeing people like wide receiver fifteen or sixteen. I was like. what? It's like, what are people talking about? Like, because I mean, I had Iuk on plenty of teams and I was like, I never felt any sort of positive impact from it being on my roster, like ever. Never once was I towards the end, like, oh my God, I started Brennan Iuk. Yes. You know, or I, I didn't start him and I thought, oh my God, I crushed my team. Um, and that's because it never happened. You know, there was an 18 points. Okay. So here's week 11. Uh, here's from the time he got back up to 90% of the routes, right. Which really started in week eight. Here are his finishes, uh, and I'm just going to give you PPR points: eight point five. He gave you a twenty-one. Fine, that was nice. Five point six. Then he gave you a twenty-one. That was really good. But then twelve and a half, eight and a half. There's a nineteen, a five, a fourteen, a thirteen, a seventeen, a twelve. They're they're fine, right? An eleven, a ten. Um, so it's it's not that I don't like Ayuk. I agree with you that there's a challenge. But where I differ is this: our ability to know who's going to be healthy and to really be honestly that good weird shit happens and sometimes the offense just changes right the same reason you worry about Debo is the same reason you could give a little bit of optimism to IU and say well I mean Kyle Shanahan just does this weird stuff what if he comes out and changes the offense so the way I think about picks that are going around seven eight and nine I'm less um, worried about exactly where I have them projected or exactly what I think the offense is today what I start weighing is is okay. I want plenty of talented players, knowing the season could play out a lot of ways. What if Debo Samuel goes down in week two? I want a really talented player like Brandon Ayuk on my team, right? That's the way I'm. I think about it. But if all things play out equal, no one gets hurt. We see things stay the way. I think Debo Samuel is a better player than Brandon Ayuk. I like Brandon Ayuk, but if you Girl Scouts walk sauntering, as you said yesterday, sauntering to the door, uh. For sure. Like you're gonna rank it Debo, Kittle, Ayuk. Like, and I, I just don't see how you don't. Um, but again, the way I'm thinking about it in those rounds is I'm taking on the talent. I'm less worried at that point about exactly how I have the offense projected because I the way I think the draft goes, up top. We've got really talented players. We feel pretty good about their situation as you go. One of those two dynamics is changing. One may be increasing, one's going down. And so it's like you're just constantly in these battles of situation, talent, talent, situation. All the guys that have the talent and the situation, they're already gone in the draft. So my thought process is a little bit different. But I think everything you said um, as far as the projection and the way that I would have Debo set up or the way I have this offense you know, projected for the season is dead on.
0: Where do you have Ayuk going then? I have him um, wide receiver 46. I would ta- I, I think the guys in front of him are still talented and they have better volume opportunity. Hunter Renfro, Devontae Smith, Russell Gage, Elijah Moore, Traylon Burks, Hopkins, Tyler Lockett, Sky Moore, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Tyler Boyd, R- Rondale Moore. Like I just think those guys are probably projected for more usage. And I don't think any of them just suck a football at this point either.
1: Well, I agree. But I think that once we get to that stage, we could create questions about all of them. Like, I mean, I love Hunter Renfro. I mean, I, he was the impetus for a whole piece I wrote yesterday. I ended up covering seven other players, but it was really all just about, you know, Hunter Renfro is how the whole thing started. Um, But looking at, you know, Brandon, Ayuk, like my, my biggest point is don't just fade him, like be willing to take him on. Um, You know, I don't think, so if I draft, you know, 50 times, like I'm not going to take all those other guys over him every time. I'm going to mix him in. If you're going to draft one team, you get one fantasy football team, and we're talking about a ranking list, then I think that that's whenever you shoot, you can take a harder stance, like what you're talking about. So it just really depends on, you know, our audience, like what people are trying to do. You play in 50 best ball manias, or you, you know, you drafting one home league. And I think, you know, that's that's a key that comes into it. I do think there is a path for Brandon Ayuk because he has talent that we could look back at the end of the year and be like, well, damn, like I could have had that, you know, in the eighth or ninth round. And, you know, he's performing as a wide receiver too. I think that could easily happen for him. Um, I don't think it's the way we would project the offense to go to start. Where
0: do you have him? He's going wide receiver 39. I hear you. Like if we're doing a thousand, I have,
1: I have, I have him 44. Sorry. So you're low on him too. Yeah, but, I, but I'm not telling people to not – I'm not saying don't ever take him. That's I'm not saying that saying.
0: either. No, I'm not saying that. Like, if he slides, okay. Like, okay, we could talk about – I'm not even saying
1: slide. I mean, he's in the range. Like Every easy.
0: football player in the NFL we could say you can take at a certain point. Like,
1: <laughs> Right, but that's my point with tears. That's where we're different. I'm going to mix all these guys up. I'm going to mix all these guys up. Well, I'm just I, trying I like to get Russell. the
0: – you're lower on him, and it sounds like you're not. That's by going through no, that. Process.
1: Well, but, but the point is, like – Rankings are stupid is really the freaking point. (laughs) Like having to say one guy is definitely over this other guy. Like we've, we're, we're look, I know everybody wants to hear it and we love to do it. But at the end of the day, that's why freaking tiers matter because guess what? Shit happens and we should be tiering players that are similar together. That's why I don't tier players just by how many points I think they're going to score. I look at their profiles and say, okay, this is a really talented profile. I'm not quite sure where the touches are going to, are going to all come from. But I know the talent is there. And so then I group players together that way. And so if I'm doing that, like, to be honest with myself and to be honest with everybody else, like, I'm going to mix the players up that are in that. Just because I have Brandon Ayuk above Kadarius Tony doesn't mean I won't get, you know, Tony exposure. And I think that's the thing that gets lost, you know, with tears and the way that, you know, we get so people that drive their tiers just by points and rankings. Like that's what I was trying to get away from this year. I was trying, because I also want to be able to say, well, look, this guy's actually more like this other guy. Why are we taking three rounds later? Like that's kind of the whole point of it.
0: So Dwayne and I, long story short, we are both lower than consensus on Brandon. (laughs) Yeah,
1: uh, Yeah. Social. Please just put that out there. Thank you. Jawan Jennings. everything I just said.
0: Jawan Jennings, Marcus Johnson, Ray Ray McLeod, Danny Gray, Malik Turner, just a bunch of no's. Unfortunately, we don't know if Jennings is going to keep that job. Even if he does, man, like this is just one of the few offenses where they use so much Kyle Juice check at fullback and even mixing in some potential double running back, double tight end sets. Like the wide receiver three with all the pass game issues that we talked about, there's just not enough volume.
1: There's no reason Jennings will keep his role. I have no doubt. Like he's a really good slot receiver. The question, you know, the question is, is there any value in all of those players? Right. The va- so if one of these other guys go down, I don't think Ju- I think Juwan Jennings' role stays the same. I think yeah. you know if if deep if uh, if Debo goes down, number one, there's no replacement. That's just going to help IU, right? Because we yeah. we know IU can do actually some of the same things whenever they scheme it up for him. Um, but if Ayuk goes down, I think it's more Marcus Johnson, Danny Gray. Um, for folks, I, I have had some people come to me like, "Man, I'm just so worried about you know Debo's going to lose you know targets to Danny Gray." I'm like, "Come on, people, come on. Look, I, I get it. Danny Gray's a third round pick, okay. But like, let's not get carried away. Like the, the offense is going to be focused on the three studs, and they are all studs. So um, to have any other value, there would have to be injuries. And even then, to your point, like. You got to be a really good player in an offense that's going to run this much to extract value, um, even if an injury strikes. And I don't think any of those guys actually are going to are, are good enough. You know, to 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 be a, looking back later and be like, oh my god, I should have <laughs> taken Danny Gray in round eighteen. I just don't see it
0: anyone expecting Danny Gray to be any hindrance to Debo Samuel needs to go outside and touch some grass immediately (laughs) let's talk about that third stud Mr. George Kittle backed up by Tyler Croft. I mean just a freaking king if you go ahead and just look at his last 17 games which was in 2021 including playoffs caught 78 of 108 targets for 1018 yards and seven touchdowns that was including playoffs somehow still doesn't have more than six touchdowns during a regular season but my god hasn't stopped him from being one of the most productive of tight ends in NFL history. Most PPR points per game in NFL history at tight end, Travis Kelsey, number one, Rob Gronkowski, number two, something named Pete Rhett, Reds laugh from like the sixties. Tight end three, so shout out Pete. And then tight end four, George Kittle at thirteen point six. But man, it's it's the fact that he's been this efficient as a tight end, even relative to wide receivers, that's been so amazing. So since entering the league in twenty seventeen, Kittle is seventh in yards per route run, behind only Julio Jones, Justin Jefferson, AJ Brown, Michael Thomas, Jamar Chase, and Debo Samuel. So it's just really the thing, Shannon. I think Shanahan's best trait has been. Helping Jimmy G just feed the ball to Debo Samuel and George Kittle in these yak-friendly situations. Like, you look at the yards per run, you look at yards after the catch above expectation. A part of it's definitely just Kittle and Debo being that damn good at football, but I think that is where a lot of the true brilliance of the Shanahan scheme comes out, and you can see that with Kittle. Position high, 7.5 yards after the catch per reception for his career. Dwayne, Kittle is my tight end four. I think he deserves to go ahead of Darren Waller because I think Kittle is, and I know you believe this too, our pick for the best real-life tight end out there right now, if the aliens invade us and we need to start a tight end, it should be George Kittle over this year's version of Kelsey, over this year's version of Gronk. He probably doesn't have the same sort of ceiling as your Pitts, as your Kelsey, as your... Um, oh, my God. Mark Andrews. Sorry, Mark. As those top three guys who we know, you know, are more definitive, likely options to lead their passing game. But man, if there was ever just a season where we get 17 healthy games from Kittle and maybe we get a few more extra end zone targets like he could. We could be looking back to and being like, my God, why did we not take George Kittle in at the fourth or fifth round discount? Like he is one of those guys where we could regret this.
1: I think you can regret it on Kittle and Waller. I think you could regret it on both. I have them in the same tier, um, but absolutely. Like, and Kittle really does. And You don't, again, Kittle's a player. You don't have to take at ADP. Like no. it's like every other draft. He just goes sliding down the board, you know? And so it's like, it's easy to get him. Um, and, and he gives you upside to be the number one tight end overall. Again, we don't know for sure how the season is going to play out. Kittle, even in a crowded offense, can come through and be your tight end four or tight end five. Something happens with Debo or IUK, Like, he can explode to be tight end one. He can explode to be tight end one with all of them playing well, just all of a sudden scores 10 touchdowns because he's just awesome at football, you know? Yeah. Um, so the only thing I would say with you, like, you know, because the way you think about your process is like, how do you put him over Waller? because a lot of guys like when we've had these arguments before, we know their talents close and I, I give the edge and the talent to Kittle as well. And he's going to be 29 going into the season, 28.9 versus Waller will be 30, but we know Waller doesn't really have that much, you know, mileage on him. He's a guy that, you know, was a late bloomer um, due to some of the stuff that he overcame as, you know, being a younger player in the league. But like, when I look at Waller, the thing I know for sure is that the Raiders are going to throw the ball way more than George Kittle. So way more than the 49ers. So I know I've got probably more targets just similar targets per route run and target share probably coming to both of these players. Um I do I would give Kittle the edge and what is he going to do with those targets? But I think it, we'd be hard-pressed, right, not to think that the Raiders aren't going to throw the ball 50 to 100 times more in the season than what we're going to see with the 49ers. And we've got three targets, right? We've got Devontae Adams, we've got Hunter Renfro, just like we've got with the 49ers. So that's why I gave the slight edge to Waller. Again, same tier, back to the tier conversation I have them together.
0: I, I, I don't have analytics for this point, but I, I think – there's a zero chance that Devonte Adams doesn't lead the Raiders in targets. I think Kittle could lead the 49ers in targets and I do while Waller's obviously very talented, I do think I think Kittle's in a tier of his own at this point honestly with Kelsey and Gronk aging with Pitts not being there quite yet like just pure talent ranking and you know Waller was we talked about in the Raiders dealing with a lot of injuries last year but you could argue that he is descending whereas Kittle there is a chance that you know you say for AJ Brown a lot that there should be this season where he just goes the hell off and Kittle broke the freaking receiving yards record back in what like 2018 or 2019 briefly so it's weird to say that you know he already had that 1300 1400 yard season whatever it was and he could still have something more but I just think we maybe even haven't seen the biggest thing yet I mean yards per out run over the past three years he's at 2.5 Point seven four, man. The next closest tight end is Andrews at two point three, and there's Waller at two point one eight. So you know they are right there. The PFF receiving grades pretty close too. But I just think it's close. They're in the same tier, you know. So I'll go ahead and throw that caveat out there, like we always do, when we're feeling pressure. Like we've talked rent. about.
1: Like if, if if you just take one thing for tight ends, right? Just take their targets. Like so, I think we're all clear. Like you're going to pick and choose when you're going to use which argument. <laughs> i think this it's is okay fun. you're ever elusive i can never pin you down that way i would hey, i'll never know like what's gonna happen
0: <laughs> that's what makes for the good content baby but uh no dude man. i
1: love kittle i'm with you on kittle love him and your tweet the alien tweet is like all-time classic like yes like if, if aliens invaded earth and we have to serve up one tight end to like save the whole galaxy like george kittle end one. i just
0: maybe it maybe it's a and it's a I'm happy you called me on that cuz maybe I am just being biased with him but I don't think there deserves to be a 7 spot difference between Waller and Kittle at a minimum like what you said in terms of pure targets like yeah with a medium projection i will give waller the you're talking
1: their adp right the 43 for waller 50 i agree with that and and so that's why i get kittle more than waller just because absolutely i have him in the same tier and he goes seven spots later so it's just easier you know to get to so uh yeah i i I like Kittle. the only thing i would say is you know you got to go back and rethink AJ Brown then, because AJ Brown has the same kind of profile that Kittle does, but at receiver with the same kind of challenges. You know, we haven't talked about AJ Brown in a while. So it's like forgetting like where exactly you have him ranked. I don't have it in front of me. But like when I think about these players, I think through those things. I'm like, well, if I'm going to say George Kittle is this, so then what am I doing with AJ Brown? Because they're the same profile at two different positions and just yeah. kind of holding myself, you know, to that. And it doesn't mean like that it changes your rank, but at least we're just thinking through it.
0: I think I, I, it might just be the overwhelming like I Kittle could be the bestest football player in the NFL like just all things considered man he is that freaking good I don't like at wide receiver I don't I think the talent gap between Dude, Kittle, you get
1: bonus points for pancake blocks like Kittle's number one overall.
0: That's like Maybe I'm just letting that influence my mind, but I think like the gap between any running back wide receiver tight end between the best and the next best player talent wise, I think with Kittle and the next tight end, it might be wider than any other position. So yeah, I am making, a, I think
1: that's fair. I yeah. think that is, I think that's very fair. I think so, you're dealing with something kind of similar you know the the problem with the receivers it's harder to say because we're dealing with so many more so you kind of got to look at a group of like hey here are these top five to six guys versus just with tight end it's like here's our top one guy it's yeah. kittle when i think about like the the receivers though it's like you know we look at all the there's like the top six guys that are clearly ahead of everyone else now we don't have all six ranked in the top six right um because of all the other things the situation and all those things so anyway i I love George Kittle. Uh, The bottom line is folks, you know, and you'll do the summary in a second draft George Kittle. Like it's also just fun to draft freaking George (laughs) Kittle. Let's go ahead and do that summary at quarterback Trey
0: Lance. Dwayne and I both have him QB 11 at the moment, right where he's going. We're going to stay ahead of consensus. Do not let these just naysayers make you believe that Jimmy Garoppolo has a realistic chance at starting in week one, all signs point towards Lance and with that rushing workload, just going to be very hard for him to bust. Does he have as high of a median projection as some of the other guys? Maybe not, but man, we just don't see quarterbacks with his rushing floor do anything other than put up big time. fantasy points at running back, Elijah Mitchell, Tyrion Davis price, both guys that Dwayne and I are in at their value right now, current ADP. And that's really the thing. Like there are concerns, like who is going to be the running back eventually. But that's why they are as affordable as they are. And I think Mitchell could continue to slide a little bit past that, you know, smaller dead zone area into the Clyde Over miles sanders range where I will be much more happy to draft him. But Dwayne and I just a little bit ahead of a consensus on Mitchell and Tyrion Davis-Price. We defer a little bit on Debo Samuel. Both have him top 10. Dwayne wide receiver 7. My wide receiver 10. Just going to really depend on if he gets that week's one through nine workload or the more running back centric workload we saw at the end of the season. If he gets that wide receiver workload look the hell out because there are not many that do it better than Debo Brandon Ayuk Dwayne and I are both below consensus, uh, but he is someone that if you're doing a bunch of drafts, you should still continue to get exposure to alongside a bunch of other ones. Uh, smart move by Dwayne, and we do enough drafts, so that is a good point. But I do try to uh, go back and, you know, Dwayne, you brought it up the one time, just someone saying like, hey, if I'm only in one draft, like who should I be taking? So that's more what I mean there uh, for the ranks. But yes, and that's Brand- probably
1: a good thing. Like for us just to mention every show, right? Hey, we have one draft. This is what we're doing. We yeah. get to draft multiple times. Like here's how we're spreading it out.
0: So very fair, not touching any of the other backup wide receivers, just too much of a run-heavy offense. That doesn't lean on three wide receiver sets all that much to begin with. And with George Kittle consensus, top five tight end, really going too far behind Waller at tight end for our underdog fantasy. So we were happy to scoot up, scoop up George Kittle. I'm one spot higher than Dwayne, but we both want the guy on our fantasy teams. You should too. Sound about right, Mr. McFarlane.
1: Perfect. And just miss us with anything about Danny Gray having any impact on the (laughs) top three receivers. Like, And nothing against Danny Gray. Like, love him. But come on, you you folks, go look at the offense. You know how it works. Like, and how many players have to come into an offense where there's three guys like this? Like, there's only a couple of teams in the league that have these three. And I think that Danny Gray is going to do anything to any of their target shares. Come on.
0: All right, Dwayne, people are going to be hearing this on next Thursday. Are you going to have any articles out during your vacation week?
1: Uh, well, I had one that dropped today and I, I kind of referenced it earlier, but really looking at targets per route run and uh, route participation. So how often a player gets to be on the field when, you know, their team is passing and really just creating a range of outcomes for eight players that I think, you know, could really probably surprise a lot of people where I'm going to have them at some of it, you know, actually just reinforces where they're ranked. Like, Hey, don't be afraid to draft this player where they are. There's others in there that it's like ah, probably being drafted too low, there's others in there where it's like, look, the floor is not good, but the ceiling really is huge for this player. So not every one of them is just exactly the same. It's not a cookie cutter. It's really based on, and even you and I were having conversations back and forth about some of these players and the DMs the other day over on Slack, but looking at each team situation and, and trying to determine based on, and also some storylines that we're monitoring, like what do we think about these players' you know, targets and what they're going to look like. So Hunter Renfro is on the cover. you know, He's... he's, he's he was kind of my impetus like for doing it. Um, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. And then I'm updating all the ranks today. I've been working on that this morning. And so I'll have all that done. I'm trying to get to republishing my tier articles. I don't know if I'll make it by like my deadline I've been given by my wife to be getting everything <laughs> ready to leave. We we head out on vacation. So um, you know, I'm I'm working through it and I'm trying to get there for you folks.
0: At Dwayne McFarlane, always on Twitter. You can catch me at iHeart. It's all the team previews continuing to go out. Even got the 10 things I've loved about the USFL Live. And by the time you're listening to it, USFL playoffs, baby. Canton, Ohio. Can't wait. Unfortunately, I'll be on the East Coast because got to try to keep uh, my hopeful future marriage intact. I love the USFL. Can't quite put it ahead of that, unfortunately. For Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks, so much for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time.